okay about this or or you know? I don't have money. <laughs> the four cases that you sent us, uh, how do you want us to prepare for that first model? We started coming up with different... Oh, no, 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 no. No, you don't need to, you don't need to prepare yourself for, for these cases. Okay. Because you don't auscultate hardly yet. But you have this to orient yourself in, in what we're going to have. So read about the... You know, the murmurs, the most common one. And uh, make sure that you know for for tomorrow and for your life and all of these, you know in, uh, in which conditions you're going to see this murmur or the other more than others, you know. Uh, the case scenario of a person using intravenous drug, for example, and the tricuspid regurgitation, for example or the fact of the, the rheumatic fever and uh, the first valve that result damage is, you know, the mitral valve, mitral stenosis, uh, mitral valve prolapse. The characteristic of these hormones, okay? The shape, the timing, the quality of the sound, where you can take these hormones, uh, in which part of the the radiation of the marmor, you know? And there is a couple of them, or three of them, for example, the galabardine effect in the case of um, aortic stenosis. In galabardine, we have two fractions, okay? We have the, the fluid and we have the, the part that is transmitted by the trabeculi carne if this is the composition of the of the myocardium. So what happened is in Galavardin is that the musical sound goes over the you know the fluid. I mean it radiates to the neck, that's why. And uh, the I, I cannot use this right now. Okay. And uh, the solid part, you know, is going to transmit the odor, the, the hard part of the, of the murmur. And that's why we can auscultate this in the apex of the heart. This is galabartin effect or galabartin phenomenon. Okay? This is what, what happened in galabartin. What galabartin is, is uh, sometimes, not always, in the in the aortic stenosis. And all the, the signs we have in the hyperdynamic murmur of aortic uh, regurgitation. Know very well which one is stolic, which one is diastolic, where we're going to also take, for example, the, the pericardial rub, where we can also take better is three and is two. And not only that, where we can also take much better the sounds of atrial, of uh, interatrial communication in the uh, atrial septal defect, ASD, or ventricular septal defect. Or as well, where we can also take much better the 
the physiologic splitting, where we can also take a fixed splitting, uh, this kind of things, guys. Okay? So with Harvey tomorrow, we're gonna go very well. The case, uh, you'll see, it, it's, a, it's a nice case. Okay? It's a nice case. You have to do what you have to do. That's it. I mean, uh, a person that is having a valvulopathy and is having complications depending on PowerPoint of um, valvulopathies, I normally use, guys, in your cases or in your OSCEs, I use what you have, you know, in your PowerPoints, as you see in the rest of the OSCEs before. I don't invent anything or I don't whatever. Just go over the, uh, what is happening in a, in, a, in a presence of heart failure. Uh, what is happening with the BNP? I'm not interested in pro-BNP. If you have it, it's okay. Uh-huh. Uh, troponin, troponin 1, or, I mean, the enzymes you, you will need in order to do something with this patient, right? What happened when the valve is, uh, is very close, or what happened when we have an area that is this percentage, so you can go and proceed and do a substitution of the valve, right? That is the main thing that we can do, main, mainly in a young person, okay? I'm telling you more. It's an aortic stenosis case, okay? That come complicated. This guy now is complicated. Never treat himself before. Never take care of this before. So think about this and uh, go. And it is a congestive heart failure, but it's not a decompensated congestive heart failure. It's an acute one, okay? It's, it's more, uh, it's more edible, if you should think. I mean, this kind of cases. You, you have everything in your PowerPoint of cardiovascular, and on top of this, it's very easy in the current, okay? How you treat this kind of cases. Ah, another thing, remember, this case is not a, is not in a medical office, okay? This case is in ER, you know that. And I like the way you organize yourself. Be professional, everyone has a task. If you see your, your partner, your classmate, is not getting there, just point, okay? Organize in an organized way and all of this, because it's timing, okay? So, are we good? Okay. Remember where the, you know, the infusions are, and the gloves, and all these. Grecia, where are your glasses? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, a question, question. About the case, or the lab. In the lab, we have a lot of things to do. Okay? We're going to have two stations in the very beginning. Um, one group of students, they're gonna practice, practice, practice. The other is gonna Harvey, Harvey, Harvey. Then we're gonna switch. And Harvey is in the lab. Highly suggest 
aorta. So from the aorta, we have the aortic arch, and then we have the descending aorta, the thoracic aorta, wait for, I don't know, a, a pathology over there is gonna be an aneurysm, right? An aneurysm of the thoracic aorta. Then the aorta is gonna go down and give branches along the way. Okay, we have the celiac plexus, right? Celiac trunk, sorry, celiac trunk over here. And then we have the superior mesenteric artery. And then we have the inferior mesenteric artery. Superior, inferior mesenteric artery. And if our patient, because it's one of the things, right? If our patient is having a coronary artery disease and is complaining, is, is complaining about abdominal pain, okay, mainly after meals. And it's a pain, but it's not a pain like the one that happens when you have an alteration or you can say a nociceptive fiber of the of the parietal peritoneum, right? And your patient doesn't want to eat because after you eat, you have a pain. You need to think about mesenteric ischemia, right? This is a very important point, mesenteric ischemia. They complain more than the pain is. And they describe something that is known as a fear to eat, or meals fear, okay? So this happened after you eat, an hour after you eat, da 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 da. Uh, so, and we continue here, and we have the bifurcation in iliac arteries. Look at the distance, guys. We're gonna go and rectify this tomorrow. Anyway, okay, from here, we have the renal arteries, right? Renal arteries. Any obstruction or any obliteration or anything that happened over here, we're gonna have hypertension. And we're gonna also take a bruise. Maybe it's in one only, it's in one artery, right? It's not in the both of them. Then if we continue, we see that in the aortic bifurcation, we have the left and right common iliac artery. And from there, we're gonna have the internal iliac artery and the external iliac artery. And from there, we're gonna have the femoral artery. And goes down to the leg. Okay, then femoral pulsations, renal, iliac, a little bit slightly to the left, we have the aortic pulsation as well. Ah, oh, history of STIs, like syphilis. We need to think about dissecting aneurysm of the abdominal aorta. Hypertension, the first cause of the formation of, you know, these kind of things, the aneurysm. is the first cause, right? We know that. And on top of this, problem with the collagen fiber. Like in the case of Marfan syndrome, like in the case of Noonan syndrome, like in the case of uh, Erling Dallos syndrome. 
You study this already, right? Erlen Dandos, the hyperflexibility and so with the collagen fiber, with the uh, luxation of the lenses in the eye and uh, aorta aneurysm formation is one of the causes. It's in your, uh, you have rush review, right? Uh-huh, check it out. Over there you have all the causes of the aneurysm. Start using this one because in many cases it's very accurate. Yes. Aneurysm of the aura. Um, but normally when you see a patient, it's, it's almost dissected already. Because it's for many, many years. And this is in the case of syphilis, maybe. Okay? Syphilis, maybe, guys. So, do not hesitate in ask about sexual history. Do not hesitate, but don't stop. Because you, oh, you have a sexual relation with your, your wife. Yes, and you stop in there. No. Anyone else or any history of sexual, sexually transmitted infections? Ah, yes, when was that? Did you treat yourself on how many years? I think I had, uh, one of the cases in ENT was that, right? I remember one of one of the cases I used penicillin and it was okay. Oh, anyway. uh, the pulsation, all the pulses. Okay. The radial, the ulnar. Radial and ulnar pulses are very important. Why? Because your patient will need ABGs, right? And you don't want to just puncture a radial artery when the ulnar artery is not tapping. And that's why you need to perform something that is known as an Allen test. Okay? Allen test. Okay? You're going to include both arteries and wait for the hair to be very pale. And why is the first you're going to let it go? No, you need to let it go, the ulnar. Because it's the one that is going to feed the hand if the radial artery resolves damage. Understand? Okay? Ulnar artery and radial artery. So, occlude both, wait till the hand is pale, and then you're going to let it go, the ulnar, and observe the hand recovering the, the pinkish color, okay? So you're free to use the radial artery, even to canalize the artery for, uh, you know, ABGs and repetition. Allen test, A-L-L-E-N, it's in your book. So dorsalis pubis, guys, are a little bit lateral, okay? And of course, we need to check it out for the posterior tibialis and the popliteal artery with two hands. We're gonna revisit the technique, okay? Revisit the technique. You need to check it out 
in every OSCE the link nodes in the name. Don't forget about that. I was reading the feedback in this OSCE and many of you were also taking the patient and the hospital in a sitting position. We didn't do that. The other thing was, uh, if I remember well, okay, uh, they don't know how to check the link notes in the neck. Uh, what else? Oh, interview, disorganized interview. What else? Forgot about the family history, forgot about the medication, uh, didn't ask about dose and route, and since when you're taking the medication, or compliance with the medication. No. You are in cardiovascular already. You're not allowed to make these mistakes. Okay? You're not allowed to make these mistakes. Uh-huh. Another thing is, be aware of the answers of your patient. Okay? Be aware of the answer because if your patient is complaining of pain, why? And you ask about allergy. Why don't you give the patient uh, something for the pain? Understand what I'm saying here? I know you're, you're, you're going there, okay? Everybody's going there. But don't be afraid. Relax and do what you have to do. If your patient is shortness of breath, you're going to offer the patient what? A little bit of oxygen, right? If your patient is, is uh, coming to the medical office with chest pain, what is the first thing you're going to do, guys? EKG, right away. Okay, maybe, maybe it's a, you know, osteoarthritis or whatever, but this age, with chest pain, I better do an EKG. That is not expensive, okay? And it's very, very fast. Uh, any question about this part? I know you have questions. This, this is the moment, okay? Okay, so, um, the superficial veins, they, the superficial veins, they uh, somehow anastomose all of them. And they're gonna end it, they start in here, right? Those are the arch and medium maleo, collecting the blood of all this place. Then it's going to anastomose and make the gray saphenous vein, the fibular vein, the posterior tibialis, the proplyteal vein, and the gray saphenous is gonna continue going there, and the proplyteal is gonna drain as well in the femoral vein. So, all of these, remember, it's not, we are not thinking in, in um, um, up to down, we're thinking down to up, right? And all of them, they have valves. And they need to be competent, the valves. Okay? They need to be competent. Okay? So, 
Uh, we talked about this the other day, the saphenous, the femoral vein, the external iliac vein. External iliac vein and internal iliac vein. Uh, external is collecting blood from the buttocks as well and uh, the superficial part of the, of the pelvis, a little bit of the lower abdomen, and the internal iliac vein anastomose to the external iliac vein, and both are making the iliac vein. And from there, the blood is gonna go to the other side, right? It's gonna go, what is the, the objective of this? Send all the blood towards the right patient, right? So we have other, other parts. We have the part inside the, the abdomen, not only with the, with the arteries, but the base as well, right? So base over there, we have the inferior mesentery, the superior mesentery vein, we have the renal vein, we have the splenic vein. All of these veins, not the renal, but the splenic vein, the superior and inferior mesentery vein, and the gastric vein form what is known as a portal vein. Okay? A portal vein. Portal vein that transports this blood to the, towards the liver. Okay? And this portal vein is full of nutrients and so the liver is gonna use what the liver needs to use and the rest after the liver metabolism is gonna continue into the hepatic vein, right and left, and go into the inferior vein power. And along the way, we have the renal vein, the right and the left, okay? The left venal vein is gonna pass across the aorta, abdominal aorta, and encounter on the other side the inferior vena cava, okay? As well as this uh, uh, left, the left adrenal vein, the one draining the blood from the adrenal, left adrenal gland, is gonna encounter, is gonna make uh, an astomose with the uh, renal vein and empty to the inferior vena cava. And all this blood is gonna go up. Okay? So we have this. Now, common concerning symptoms. What are the most common concerning symptoms related to the peripheral vascular system? Pain and swelling or swelling of the legs and arms. Mainly legs, right? Mainly legs. Okay? In the case of arms, waiting for, what is the most common thing after a mastectomy? A lymphedema, all right? Lymphedema. A cramping in legs on a section. This is claudication, okay? You're walking, but you need to stop because it's a terrible pain, right? But sometimes we have this pain on resting, no good, okay? Peripheral artery disease, this pain with resting. So the person that is walking and need to stop because he's having a terrible pain in the leg, that means the blood is not enough 
to fit the muscle, right? You, you can, if you want to stand, it's good for you to stand. Because maybe you are uncomfortable sitting there. Guys, if you need to stand, you can stand, okay? At the end of the, the classroom. So, because of this. Tall numbness, power, discoloration in the legs, hair loss in the legs. The one in the book is more specific. It's this, 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 and that. That's it. But I'm gonna, I'm giving you more because people are complaining of this as well. I don't have any hair anymore in my lower legs. Okay, my pelvis are swelling. My, my feet are cold and take a long time to recover the normal temperature. The color in my feet is very reddish and it's cold, it's not hot. But at the end of the day, I have a swollen leg. And this is gonna diminish when I rest. And this is the case of Professor Santos, the cashier in the in Publix, okay? Because even though we are walking, look at this. I have a leg edema in my legs. Renal insufficiency, many years standing. Okay? Bless you, bless you. 10 more credits. Okay. So, abdominal flat or back pain. When this happens, is coming in the mesentery, right? What mesentery is? It's a reflection of the parietal peritoneum. And inside this mesentery, we're gonna find artery, vein, lymphatics, and lymph nodes. And some of the organs in the abdomen, they have their own mesentery. Some other they have ligaments. But if something is happening in these arteries along the mesentery, the person is gonna complain from abdominal pain. It's very specific in this kind of patient. And when you have a patient with this pain in the abdomen, because maybe this is the chief complaint, oh, have you ever had an acute myocardial infarction? Or did you get a diagnosis of peripheral artery disease? Uh, do you know if you have any problem in your coronaries in the heart? Because all of these goes together, okay? So, um, peripheral artery disease, we have been talking about this all the time, okay? And the pain, it's everywhere. Why is this? Why is this uh, a peripheral artery disease? Because, I mean, think about this. We have a myocardial infarction because we have a problem with what? With the coronary arteries, right? We have a problem in the, in the skin because we suffer from, I don't know, peripheral artery disease this redness that doesn't resolve, okay? This bluish color. In the case of rhino, 
In the case of rhino, what we have is a vasospasm. Okay? The arteries are patent. It's just at the level of the capillary vein, at the level of the arterioles. That's why you see that this paleness, um, when the patient uh, touch something that is full or something like this. Musculoskeletal, the claudication. You're walking, 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 you need to stop because, oh my God, the cramps are incredible. If you don't have enough oxygenated blood irrigating the muscles, the muscles cannot walk, cannot, sorry, cannot be, cannot be useful. That's why the, the pain. Remember, the patient that is in front of you is the blood, the heart pumps, and the arteries of my patient enough to give or to, you know, offer the patient the amount of oxygen my patient needs all over the body to function? It's one of your questions, right? So, this is one of the answers, okay? Uh, during the interview, remember, the pain is in the abdomen, in the lateral part of the abdomen, in the flanks, or in the back. Talking about the back pain, we think on back pain, preferred pain. Abdominal aorta, aneurysm, okay? Here you go. Pain or colic on the kidney, Again, abdominal aorta aneurysm, okay? Persistent abdominal pain, any food, fear. This is the case of mesenteric ischemia, mesenteric colitis, uh, ischemic colitis. And of course, we have the, this uh, watershed ischemia. Where is that? the area that is watershed where we have less, uh, you can say less amount of fresh blood going there is in the splenic flexure on the rectosigmoid junction, at the level of the rectosigmoid junction, okay, and in the splenic flexure, these two, okay? Those are watershed areas areas with less fresh blood, less perfusion. This is the area that's gonna be more painful or it's gonna reflect uh, um, ischemia, okay? Uh, cramping in the legs when walking or during exercise, during exertion, yes. Does the pain get gets better with the rest? What is that? Peripheral artery disease, right? Huh? Claudication, intermittent claudication. So, uh, two common type of atypical leg pain from peripheral artery disease before the ischemia turn critical, okay? Leg pain on exertion and rest, okay? Exertion of pain that can begin and rest. This is no good. Can begin at rest. And the leg pain carry on, exertional pain that does not stop the patient from walking. We have an intermittent claudication, 
and this one that doesn't interrupt the patient to walk. So, risk factors, the same risk factor that you know, diabetes, smoking, alcohol consumption, okay, hypertension, okay, poor physical activity, uh, hypercholesterolemia, okay, African-American ethnicity, coronary artery disease, okay? Fatigue, aching, numbness, all of this, okay? And we need to know the location. If the patient presents with erectile dysfunction, or if the patient presents with an ulcer that is having a poor healing or doesn't heal at all, okay? If the pain is present when it rests in the lower leg of the foot and changes in supine or standing, okay? When the pain changes in standing, why is that? Because you're helping your arteries to go there, okay? So we have a venous resting and we have an arterial resting. Patients with peripheral artery disease, they have the bed normally, they sleep with the, 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 the back part of the, of the bed elevated. Not with pillows, I'm not talking about pillows. The posterior leg of the bed needs to be elevated. This is uh, arterial rest. For venous rest, is the opposite, is the opposite, okay? Why is that? Think about this. If the veins, if the valve of the veins are damaged, but you need to be careful because if this venous return is altered because the, the valve of the veins of this patient are bad and your patient is having a congestive heart failure, this is not possible to, to be doing, okay? You don't, you don't do that. So, you need to ask the patient. Interview your patient. Obtain the data from your patient. And arrive into hypothesis. It's not for this you need to do that, for the other you need to do the other things. Okay? You need to ask your patient. Your question. Um, so, how would you like the perfect factor in cardiovascular? Can we ask about, like, you know, we ask about sex. Can we ask about sexual activity? Any changes in sexual activity, any changes in libido, for example, as well, okay? Because if you don't have enough amount of blood going into the porpora cavernosa, I mean, the penis cannot, you know. Okay? So, any first degree relatives, first degree relatives, guys, Mom, dad, aunt, sister, or brother, first degree. No, abuelito, abuelita, okay? It's a first degree, very close, okay? Um, abdominal aorta aneurysm, or aneurysm of the abdominal aorta. Now, this is very important for us, okay? Buttocks, pain in the buttocks and the hip, 
think about uh, arterial ischemia at the level of aortoiliac area, okay? Aortoiliac area. Why? Remember we talked about the, uh, the superficial and the deep iliac arteries? Okay, branches from the, the internal, sorry, external iliac artery. So, pain in the buttocks, pain in the hip area. And let me tell you a story. This woman, a neighbor of uh, Professor Dayan, was with a terrible pain in the left hip for at least two days. And she went to see the, the orthopedist. Oh, it's okay, take some, um, you know, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. It's what you take when you have a pain, right? The third day, amputation. Here you go. Because you need to undress your patient. You need to check the pulsations of your patient. You need to also take your patient. It's not only because you're an orthopedist, you're gonna be dedicated to the bones, and that's it. No, you don't see the bone, you see a person. And uh, at the third day, amputation, um, disarticulation, she's alive. Okay, erectile dysfunction, at the level of the foot, then the artery, iliac artery. From India to Pudenda Ari. That's what, okay? The tie common femoral or aortoilia because the problem could be where? At the level of the aorta, at the level of the bifurcation, or at the level of the femoral artery. Make sense? Okay. Over cap, superficial femoral. Superficial femoral artery, okay? Lower calf, popliteal artery. Foot, tibial or peroneal artery, okay? Abdominal pain after meals, and associated foot fear and weight loss. Celiac trunk, add the word trunk. Celiac trunk or superior or inferior mesentery artery and the water check. Don't forget that. You need to know this, okay? Uh-huh. This is very important for the quiz next week and other things, okay? Differential, everything is important. Anyway, differential diagnosis for the leg pain. Everything that gives you leg pain, okay? Spinal canal stenosis, okay? So the spinal cord is squeeze. Peripheral neuropathy, peripheral nerve pain. You have an impinging of the sciatic nerve, for example. An impinging, uh, a, a, a trap of the sciatic nerve. Chronic compartment syndrome, muscle spasms, <coughs> deep venous thrombosis, all of this. Okay? All of this. Baker cysts. Baker cysts. and you're gonna see a big cyst over there, and it's very painful. 
fingers, look at the toes, okay? Uh, by any chance, your fingertips, your fingertips or the tips of your toes, ever change color in cold water and cold weather? Or when you handle cold objects, okay? How long this lasts? What makes it worse? Or what, what makes this better? Can you describe any color changes? What color? Is purple, is red, is pale? Change from pale to purplish? You know, this kind of color, redness, hypnosis, in the case of Reino. Reino is a syndrome and it's a disease. And it has to do with the vasospasm. Okay? And what is the autonomic nervous system involved in that? Oh my God. Vamos? Autonomic nervous system gives you spasm, the sympathetic one, right? Sympathetic, right away. Okay, look at this color. Um, promotion and counseling. The patient with peripheral artery disease, uh, maybe they don't have any symptoms or they don't have specific symptoms, you need to find out. So there is a, a certain um, uh, things that you can do for this patient that are having a subclinical peripheral artery disease. Bless you. Take 10 minutes. Go on, sleep outside. Go on. 10 minutes. And this only happens in 10% of the 
disease uh, or peripheral artery uh, damage that you cannot, I mean, you go and need to do um, more thorough, a thorough investigation with this patient, okay? So one of those, we need to screen for a subclinical one, uh, obtaining more data from the patient, then we need to do a very, very aggressive uh, risk factors intervention. Stop smoking. One of the first thing on top of this coronariopathy, coronariopathy the patient could have, the first thing with the, the makes up, bless you, The peripheral artery disease is the smoking situation. Smoking situation. So, you don't judge your patient. A patient that tells you, oh, I, you know, I smoke all my life. I started smoking when I was 30 years old because my dad asked me to like the cigarettes, like the cigarettes off for death, for, for him. And then I continue smoking all my life. And nowadays I smoke like um, two and a half boxes per day and for how many years, if you can tell me? Um, for around 20 years. So guys, no nitric oxide in these arteries, in this endothelium. Nothing rests there, right? So we need to think in the peripheral artery disease, and this is one of the main causes of all the rest of the things, okay? Like uh, uh, arterial um, ulcers, like the um, poor perfusion, uh, like the erectile dysfunction, all of this, okay? So, aggressive risk factor intervention. So, when are you gonna do this? You ask the question, your patient answered all of this. Oh, we are going to talk about this later. Let's go because I need to ask you a little bit more about this or that. Understand what I'm saying? You don't say, oh, but you smoke a lot. Me, no, I'm gonna die with all of this cigarette thing. You don't judge patients. You don't give opinion. You help your patient. How is the way? At the end, we have a group. In that group, people support each other. As well, I can orient you about, you know, some chewing gum or this or that, these possibilities. Have you ever think about quit smoking? Have you ever think about this? Oh no, because you know what happened when I smoke? I feel like a relief from my stress. Then you are, you know, composed at this point to explain to the patient about what is happening when you smoke. And for that, you need to learn that. When you smoke, you're inhaling 
and this and this substance. And let me show you, can, can you permit me to show you these pictures about the arteries? And one of these arteries could be yours at this point. Do you have, you know, your family maybe want to be with your family more time? Uh, so if you think about quitting, I can help you in that. You know, this is the way. Hey, I can help you. I can, you know, tell you. I can tell you all the the problems you have when you smoke, and I can orient you in a group to go to a group or to visit a counselor. Okay, asking for a counseling is kind of things. You understand, guys? Don't forget the education of the patient at the end. Remember, the interview is patient-centered, right? The physical examination is for you to know because all of this interview and everything your patient is telling you is subjective, but it's valuable, okay? So when you perform the physical exam and when you arrive into a differential diagnosis, it's because you have been thinking about this possibility or the next one. It's a process in your mind, right? So don't stop with the treatment of pills or referral or I don't know what. Okay, the plan and the treatment includes your the education. You, you need to educate your patient. All of this aggressive risk factor intervention is not over, over here because I'd like to write this down. No, it's for you to talk to your patient, to let your patient know about diabetes and peripheral artery disease, to let your patient know about peripheral artery disease and loss of vision, peripheral artery disease and acute myocardial infarction and some other uh, cardiopathies. But you need to talk to your patient. Education of the patient is one of the part of the OSCE at the end. And it's one of the part of your, uh, in 23 more month job, okay? So screening for lower extremity peripheral artery disease, the ankle breakout index is one of those. The screening for renal artery disease Okay? And the screening for abdominal aortic aneurysm. During the physical exam, you have a patient that has a big pulsation in the abdomen. Right? You have a big pulsation in the abdomen. What are you going to do with respect to this? Just asking. I mean, common sense. Big pulsation. What are you going to do? And this pulsation, let's say, is in diameter, is like uh, six centimeters. What are you gonna do, Andre? What are you gonna do with this patient? Uh, respect to the physical exam and so. Uh, respect to the physical exam. 
equation, right? Because maybe you want in the presence of what? A dissecting abdominal aortic aneurysm, right? And that's it. So, sorry? Oh yeah, you see it, you see it. And of course, remember to ask about if this is this kind of thing runs in the family, okay? Uh, in the arms, you know this, this thing, okay? We're gonna check for the symmetry of the limbs, the color of the limbs, the temperature of the key of the limbs. Uh, if we have any asymmetric condition, in the case of, uh, you know, lymphedema or these kind of things, right? And as well, in the legs, we're going to measure and go over the symmetry of the legs, the skin color of the legs, the femoral pulses, and so on. Remember all the pulses. It's not, I'm going to perform this bilaterally. You're going to compare the pulses, okay? The brachial, the radial, or the radial, the ulnar, the brachial, then you're going to go over the, the femoral, public deal, with two hands, and uh, take the leg of the patient, in semi-flexion, and find the pulsation. If it's difficult, you're going to ask the patient to turn around, go in front position, okay? And bend the knee, and you're going to go over the popliteal pulsa to find the popliteal uh, pulsation, okay? In the case of the patient with the difficult PMI, you ask the patient to roll over the, the leg, right? Then find the PMI. This is the same. It's a difficult pulsation. Ask the patient to go in a prone uh, position. Ask the patient to bend the knee and find the popliteal pulses. So check for peripheral edema. I know there is a, I mean, the mannequins over there, they don't have edema but uh, uncover the mannequin and check for, you know, pedal edema or edema in the sheen area, okay? Compressing the area and decompressing and look for a possible pitting. Understand what I'm saying? Okay? A possible pitting. So in the abdomen, it's true it's not GI OSCE, but it's a cardiovascular OSCE. You need to know the condition of the arteries, and I want you to listen this carefully. You need to know the conditions, because your patient may be, is uh, suffer from hypertension, or your patient suffer from whatever alteration. You need to auscultate the vessels in the abdomen. Uh, are you clear? Okay? The vessels in the abdomen. And don't go in one side. I see many of you doing that. This is incorrect. Okay? Aorta, renal, 
Ilia and Femora. The awakening to me. Okay? So, we're going to check for everything, everywhere. I've not paid for any lymph nodes. Lymph nodes where? Lymph nodes in the area, in the inguinal region, lymph nodes in the uh, every, I mean, uh, epitropial nodes, okay? The epitropial nodes around this area, bless you, in the area of the elbow, okay? You can see um, uh, inflamed epitropial nodes in patients that are having um, immune system compromised, like in the case of HIV AIDS patient, okay? You can see this, it's very frequent, okay? So, compare the radial pulses, compare the ulnar pulses, all of this, okay? We know how to do that. Uh, always, inspect both, both legs from the inguinal area and the buttocks to the feet, this was the part that orthopedists miss in that lady. Okay? And note the size, the symmetry, everything. If we have any swelling, any edema, check for the venous pattern. How we check for the venous pattern? When our patient in standing position. Why is that? Why is that? Because if we have any valve, very well that is not in, uh, competent, what is going to happen? Dilation of the veins, varicose veins. If it's any varicose veins, we're going to map the varicose veins. How you do that? You're going to empty the vein. You're going to empty the vein and occlude the vein superiorly. Okay, in two points, and let it go. And you're gonna see how the vein is gonna feel and is tortuous. This is the way to map the varicose veins. Okay, we have this. Any pigmentation, rashes, scars, ulcers, okay, poor healing ulcers or um, uh, you, you can say a scar from uh, former ulcers as well is important. Where the ulcers are located, if they are located in the, at the medial malleolus or if they are located at the lateral malleolus, there is a difference. Or if they are located in the anterior part of the tibia, okay? So, Look at this. Um, if the pulses are felt, the pedal pulses should be felt next. These include the dorsalis tibialis and the dorsalis pelvis. If the dorsalis tibialis and the dorsalis pelvis, pelvis you, um, you can, uh, they are palpable, the, the pulses, the stenosis in the 
at the level of the arteries of the leg are unlikely. Okay? Because it's the distal part. As well, we need to break the pulsations. Right? We need to break the pulsations. Right? This is the popliteum. In the case, popliteum pulses are very difficult. We, we can't ask the patient to move around. Once more, guys, please. Dorsal, this is tibialis posterior and dorsalis head. Okay? Uh, so, avoid them. You're not digging for gold. <laughs> You're simply trying to find a pulse. You have a difficulty finding the pulse. Uh, the professor that is with you in the lab, oh, can you please help me with the pulses here? It's very easy. Don't be shy. You don't need to be shy. Okay? Don't be shy. Never ever. You're not bothering anybody. Everybody's doing its job. Okay? So, three plus bounding. When we're going to find bounding pulses, you know this. Give me one. Aortic gorge. Risk is normal. Okay? This is normal. Diminish weaker than expected. Okay? Like the. Uh, these pulsations, the carotid one in aortic stenosis, for example, absent, unable to palpate, when we have an obstruction, for example, at the level of the femoral, and the right leg, the left leg is compromised, we don't have any other pulsation, when we have changes in color of this uh, limb, and so on. Sometimes we need to use a, 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 a probe, you know, a Doppler, in order to visualize a pulse sometimes, okay? A patient that goes and suffers from uh, a shock, cardiogenic shock or hypovolemic shock, the pulses as well are very weak, generalized weak pulses. Okay? Generalized weak pulses. In cardiogenic shock or in modern uh, spinal shock. Okay? Um, color of temperature, the skin, and we need to, you know, thrombophlebitis. What is this? What is this? Thrombophlebitis. Who tell me? Someone. What comes to your mind? When they do like a vein puncture, the area result damage, right? And uh, how are you going to see this? You're going to see in the area. Yeah, you're going to see how the, the, the vein is you know, it's marked. Even the, when you palpate, the vein is like a port-like vein. And it's hot. It's inflamed. You have the rubor, calor, tumor, all of these signs of inflammation. And it's very painful, the area. Okay? Thrombophlebitis. 
asymmetry where the symmetry is if we have unilateral edema or swelling in one of the lower limb, we need to measure the difference in the cause. Why? Because deep venous thrombosis happen more in the lower leg. If we have a venous thrombosis over, over there, we can measure the cause and three centimeters of difference until three centimeters of difference between the cups is okay. But after this, we have a big difference, and this is telling you that something is no good in that leg, like a deep venous thrombosis. Okay? Then we need to ask about the risk factors for deep venous thrombosis. What are those? Let's mention some of them. Okay? It's a woman. This happened more in female. This happened more in female. Is uh, a female taking contraceptive pills? Is a female taking contraceptive pills and smoking? Is a female taking contraceptive pills, smoking, overweight, poor exercise? And what else? Poor diet? Okay, here we go. All of this. Okay? In DVD, the location of the edema suggests the point of occlusion. That's why it's so important to measure to measure the, the caps. Not only the caps, let me tell you guys. You measure everything. You measure uh, the. You measure around the malleolus. Then you measure around the calves, and you measure as well at the level of the tongue. Okay. Whatever you consider is a possibility to develop this. For example, if we have the iliofemoral vein with the with the cut, the entire leg is, uh, is going to be swollen, right? Because it's over here. The entire leg result is the occlusion is at this level. The entire leg is, is uh, uh, swollen, okay? We are receiving arterial blood, but who's collecting the blood back? Okay? This is the, the situation. Uh, we have some other things. We have the Hohmann test. What is this? Hohmann test is dorsiflexion of the foot, elicit pain in the posterior calf. Uh, there is some people talk about the Hohmann's and the Pratt sign. The Pratt sign is pain when you squeeze the calf. It's a Pratt sign. Okay? Squeezing the posterior calf, at least in pain. Some people say, no, no, but Hohmann is the one that you squeeze that. No. Okay? Hohmann test. Dorsiflexion, and you know what dorsiflexion is, right? Dorsiflexion of foot elicit pain in the posterior calf. Be careful with these two maneuvers. 
squeezing the gastrocnemius at that level can release a clot. Any history in your family of, um, you know, DVT, uh, this wrong in your family, probably with the coagulation, with the, this kind of things, anti-phospholipids, antibiotics. Okay? You study this with Professor Dayan, right? Anti-phospholipids, antibiotics. Okay? This is DVT. So you need to treat your patient. This is one of the things that, you know, I don't know if I share with you the history of one of our students. Aha. Uh -huh. She's great. She's doing great. Her dad had, had it and she, ha she has it. Okay? So, okay, home sign. I'm No good. The Pratt's squeezing that area. Be careful with this. Okay? It's like uh, compressing the carotid arteries in the present in the presence of, of fluids. So, suppose that you have your OSCE. Listen up. And uh, you auscultate the carotid arteries of your patient. And I'm telling you, uh, there is a fluid in the right carotid artery. What are you going to do? Professor, I need to I, I would like to don, you know, palpate the carotid pulses at this time. Why you don't want to palpate the carotid pulses? Because I don't want the possibility to dislodge any, uh, you know, ateromatose plaque or anything like this in my patient. Understand what I'm saying? You need to learn how to defend yourself. No, this is not the correct part for you to stand. Before that happens, you know that you cannot find the BMI or receiver from here. I cannot do that. So I'm going to move over there. Because I'm, you know, I, I cannot, I cannot sleep on him ever. Give me your BMI. What is your BMI? I find the BMI. So, you're going to go around. Understand what I'm saying, guys? You have all the elements. Okay? And I, I'm going to give you more, anyway. Okay? So, check for beating a day, edema, with the thumb, five seconds, and uh, the severity is because of four you know, four-point scale, depending on the degree of the deepest uh, point of fitting, okay? If the edema is present, edema in the ankle is present, recent venous, uh, deep venous thrombosis, complication of deep venous thrombosis. Dislodge of the clot and travel to the lungs. Pulmonary embolism. Okay, or pulmonic embolism. We don't want that, right? Chronic venous insufficiency. There is a woman with a history of every afternoon when I arrive in my home, my two legs are like, uh, 
you know? So, Venus insufficiency. Venus insufficiency means the valves are not working anymore, right? And then you can have varicose veins or not at this point, okay? Any lymphedema? Lymphedema is different, okay? The edema in the lower legs from renal patient is different as well. We need to differentiate what type of edema we have in our patient. By now, we know that our patient is a cardiovascular patient or is a peripheral vascular patient edema. Okay, this causes at this point, okay? Uh, redness, brownish areas. Brownish area <coughs> says that your perfusion over there is wrong and it's bad. Ulcers, how thick the skin is, okay? Poor amount of blood, poor perfusion, poor perfusion. Look at this, two differences. This is a lymphedema in the left arm over here, right? So let's see. Peripheral edema, all the big things. Sodium retention, then water is coming, and increase the plasma volume, and this increase the venous return, and this increase what else? The preload is going to increase what, the, what else? The cardiac output, and then what is going to increase? The blood pressure, right? Is this called elephantiasis? Okay. If you want to talk about this, elephantiasis, what is this? Elephantiasis is produced by accumulation of the lymph in the lower extremities or upper extremities and the scrotum or the labia majora in a patient that is suffering from uh, an infestation of a parasite that is known as a filaria. Filaria pomona, filaria emiti, there is a bunch of filaria. <coughs> Those are hair-like parasites that go and colonize the lymphatic uh, vessels. So there is no possibility to use these lymphatic vessels. Even though you kill the parasites, the damage is permanent. So a leg could be like this, and it's crawling. You need a, a cart to transport yourself because they they be like this. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's a terrible disease. And uh, you can see this in the Indonesia, for example, areas areas <coughs> of Haiti. We have uh, in the South American countries as well this kind of uh, disease, okay? Elephantiasis. Because it looks like an elephant. And then you need to expect a lot of complication with the skin, okay? Trophic changes in the skin, ulcers, you know, it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible disease. Uh, you know. Thank you for asking. You give me the opportunity to talk about these uh, tropical diseases. It happened a lot during the, the war 
of Spain in Philippines happened to the Spanish army in Philippines. Many, I mean, at the beginning of the 20th century or at the end of the 19th century. Yeah. Okay. So we have other capillary dynamics resulting in net filtration. We cannot remove the filter lymph. Uh, we have a lymphatic venous obstruction, increased capillary permeability, and we cannot collect the extra amount of extracellular fluid. Here we go. Okay, Starling forces, the forces that regulate movement of fluids between two compartments of the extracellular fluid. This is more Professor Deiano talking. <laughs> but the starting forces are going with you all your life. Okay? So we have the peripheral edema, a lot of diseases. A lot of diseases, okay? Feeding edema, soft and bilateral, prolonging standing and sitting, heart failure with decreased cardiac output. Yes, nephrotic syndrome, nephrotic syndrome, liver cirrhosis. Question four, I think I talked about question four the other day. Question four, the nutrition of the malnutrition of the firstborn when the second child is born. Right? It's a problem with the uh, abdomen. Okay? The firstborn doesn't get more breast milk and start being feeding using porridge or whatever high um, uh, carbohydrate food because mom needs to give this uh, milk to the little one, right? So this happening mainly in uh, developing countries. Uh, and of course, if we don't have albumin, what is gonna happen to the ontotic pressure? It's gonna go down and plasma line of the plasma is gonna leave the intravascular space and here we go, we have edema. And some medications give you edema. Cardiovascular medication side effects that gives you edema. Someone? My professor, don't ask about that. Huh? Amlodipine or what else? I don't care. Okay. No, but it's good for you to know. No, absolutely. I'm glad I got it right. Yeah, it's good for you to know. But relax, relax. We have the cardiovascular final exam still, right? So, okay. This is edema, but this is uh, in a cadaver. Okay? And this is the, the way you're going to measure that. Okay? Why we know it's a cadaver? <laughs> yeah. Okay? Chronic venous insufficiency. Look at the, the soil food, the ulcer. In which place we have the ulcer over here? Okay? On the? Medial ankle. Okay? Medial ankle. And, uh, you know, with a lot of chronic for healing and all of this, okay? 
the pain affects the quality of life of the person, and the open wound affect the quality of life of this person as, as well. Uh, we have uh, eczema pose changes in the area, and scaling, and this is itchy as well, you know. Uh, lymphedema, soft and pitting, uh, becomes indurated, then we have these changes like in elephantiasis also, okay? Elephantiasis is very interesting because it doesn't need to be bilateral. Could be unilateral. It depends where the, the filaria is obstructed, okay? So, a special technique, Allen test. Three to five seconds, occlude both arteries. Okay, release is to test the potency of the ulnar artery. Not the radial, the radial you know is patent. But you need to try to test the, the potency of the access retrograde feeling trendelenburg. The feel feels in 35 seconds, and feeling from below, uh, you have an insufficiency of the superficial branches, the, the, sorry, tributaries, superficial branches. Uh -huh. This is our test. You see how the, the hand is pale, and then you release, first you release the what? The order, and you see how the hand is gonna uh, recover. If the hand doesn't recover, you're not gonna puncture the radial artery, never ever, because this ulnar artery is not happening. I mean, this is a kind of Photoshop thing. You know, it's the same hand, the same patient, look at the finger, the same thing. Uh, the Burgers test, this has nothing to do with McDonald's, Okay, we're gonna raise both legs about 90 degrees for up to minutes until you see maximum power of the feet. Let me tell you something, guys. Certain patients cannot do that because they're pain. But this is a test, okay? Then ask the patient to sit up with legs dangling down and compare both feet. The, you need to compare both feet. And you need to take in account the time required for return the thickness of the, the, thing, the thickness of the skin that is gonna be normally in 10 seconds or less. Okay? It's abnormal when the power persists. Okay? Finally, in some moment, yes? No, 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 I'm just to Oh. It's like Luis the other day. <laughs> okay, so look at this. Ah, neuropathic, guys. Neuropathic lesion. Uh, this happens mainly in diabetic patients. Okay? This is terrible. It's a, it's a kind of, uh, you know, they develop because diabetic patient, 
develop this uh, uh, peripheral polyneuropathy. And some of them, they don't follow, you know, they are not in compliance with wear a good pair of socks, don't walk barefoot, wear a good uncomfortable uh, shoes, okay? So any liver infection in the area, ascend following nerves terminal. And uh, it's gonna be terrible. This is an ischema, uh, I'm gonna show you in a minute. This is a rubore and ischemic ulcer. This is in the case of peripheral artery disease, okay? Ischemic disorder. And, uh, you know, this is a big scar, and uh, forget about that too, okay? The normal venous return from the deep vein, remember, this is one-way valves. Those are perforators tributaries that drain the blood from the muscle, the bone, all of this into the main uh, vein that is going to uh, send the blood off. And this is a normal superficial vein, okay? Uh, calf muscle that is pumping, and this is a perforator. They are normal veins, okay? Okay, they have one way and they are the one way valve and they are functioning. They are working well. In this case, we have a, a DVT. Okay, look at this, a DVT over here. And it's like a saddle thing. Look at this. We have backflow. Then this is a deep vein, right? We have a, uh, deep venous thrombosis over here. This is a deep venous of the leg. And look at how this blood is going to be derivated to the, the side vein, this one, uh, to the superficial vein. So you're going to see swelling in the leg, and on top of this, engorging superficial vein. Okay? Uh, mapping veins, we need to compress. Right? Compress uh, sharply. Uh, we're gonna uh, sometimes uh, to feel the, the weight transmitted to the fingers in the upper position when you feel the, the feeling of the, of the vein, okay? And you see how it's hurt to, thanks God, I don't have this yet. Okay? 
There's no burger's test. It's not for burger's disease. This one is for uh, just checking the competency of the uh, veins valves. Okay? Occlude the gray saphenous vein over time by manual compression. Saphenous vein, no arteries, right? So ask the patient to stand keeping with your hand uh, occluding the vein. Stand. And watch for venous failure in the leg. The normal, the saphenous vein is going to fill from below around 35 seconds. And after the patient stands for 20 seconds, you're going to release the compression and look for additional venous failure. Normal. See, if this continues slow filling, the, the competent valves in the saphenous block the retrograde flow. We're good, right? So the abnormal rapid filling of the superficial veins during saphenous occlusion in competent valves. We talked about this already, okay? You're really sick and the veins are filling from up to down. This is not wrong. Why is that? You have a back flow. It's like the valves in the heart. Okay? Uh, this is an uh, uh, ankle breakdown index. The ankle breakdown index, and we have a table for this, and rah, 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 rah. Okay. Uh, Doppler, ultrasound, Doppler, arteries, condition of the arteries. As for Doppler, not only for arteries, for veins. It's dual Doppler. This is very important for your OSCE, for your life. Dual Doppler. Okay? Arteries and veins. Okay? Uh, chronic venous insufficiency over here. It's an ulcer in the malleolus. This is artery insufficiency. This is now venous insufficiency. This is a venous insufficiency here. Okay? That one, the other, is an artery insufficiency. Okay, so it's a question that you have here. Enjoy. <laughs> and you have the answer. <laughs> and that's very good. Questions? Questions? What do we need to know? Yes. But it's spasm. When you check the 
the important thing here is when you check the arteries of your patient, they are normal. They are pulsating, the pulses are normal, the problem is at the level of the arterial, we have constriction. Okay? Uh, you need to ask the patient to be, you know, away from the refrigerator. Can you please get me a beer? Um, I mean, wrap the beer with some of these, uh, um, I don't know what is the name, beer things? Huh? What is the name? Listen, listen. 